Welcome to the Heart of Healing, the pandemic episodes. I'm your host, Tom Fould. In these episodes, we will meet loving, talented people who, while coping with their own pandemic stress, are offering others understanding, compassion, love, and ways to relax and heal, even under the weight of current conditions. Listen with an open heart to those who have, at this time of crisis, been offering their hearts and talents to all of us. And today we are very pleased to have as our guest, Andrew Appel. And Andrew is the founder of Collective Online Healing. Welcome, Andrew. Thanks, Tom, great to be here. Very nice to have you here. I uh, will premise, begin this by saying that I had a, a wonderful experience by going to one of your um, online healing sessions. So. I will talk about that a little more later, but what I'd like you to be able <clears throat> to explain to our listeners, what is this that you are doing? How do you describe it? Well, um, uh, you know, as the name sounds, uh, we would describe it as a, a collective healing modality. I guess I could start off with a little bit of history. Please do. Um, I, yeah, I learned that I had some healing abilities myself when I was in my early 20s. Um, and I believe that these types of abilities are abilities that we all have, um, albeit maybe to varying degrees, just like any other ability, athletic ability, artistic ability, you know, musical ability. I mean, everybody has abilities to different degrees. So Absolutely. I learned that I had I learned that I had some healing abilities when somebody showed me uh, some healing techniques. But I didn't really question get, is this healing ability to heal yourself or heal others or both. You know, interestingly, the, the mechanism seems to work more on others than it does on myself. Um, and, you know, it's it's an interesting thing because even like in the realm of psychics and mediums and even psychotherapists, it's almost like, you know, a psychic or a medium can't do a reading on themselves and a psychotherapist kind of can't do therapy on themselves. It's like they have to do it on other people. So my experience thus far is that the mechanism tends to work better on other people than it does with myself. And uh, also my experience with other healers, uh, for the most part, I certainly can't say across the board. And obviously I haven't spoken to every healer on the planet, but in general, it seems to be that people who do have healing abilities, it does seem to work better uh, on others than it does actually on themselves. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. So I interrupted yeah. you. Let's go from. Where no, that's go? Okay. Um, so yeah, to pick it up, um, yeah, I, I didn't really know what the abilities were or really what the utility value of it was. And, um, I had no interest in sort of getting an office and being, you know, like an energy massage therapist, um, you know, eight hours a day or anything like that. So right. I really just kind of vaguely played around with it for many years. Um, and then probably about seven, eight years ago, I, sort of came across group healing processes and immediately kind of the light bulb went off and I'm like, you know, this is how it's supposed to be done. It's supposed to be done in a large group as opposed to just one-on-one, -on -one, which is so much more limiting. Um, so in 2016, we actually started the New York City Healing Circle and we did live events in New York City for probably about three and a half to four years. And then the pandemic hit and several people uh, in our group asked if we were going to start doing them online. And at first I said no, because I, I didn't know if it would be uh, as effective online. But then I realized that if we didn't start online events, we weren't going to be doing this at all, um, at least for a while. So 
um, we tried a couple events online and they started working really well. And then all of a sudden it, uh, you know, became clear that this was really, you know, the direction that this wanted to go. And so, uh, you know, we built out collective online healing and, you know, built out a website, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, and here we are today. And how do you uh, understand that it's working? I mean, I understand that it's working by the feedback that I get from the participants. I mean, that's that's really I mean, obviously, direct experience needs to lead the way. Um, and, you know, the only way that I know that it's working is from the feedback that I get from other people. Right. What kind of feedback do you get? What do you what do you get received hearing? Oh, God, uh, I have, you know, a list of testimonials you know, a mile long. Um, I, I don't have any of them in front of me, but uh, if you go to our website, collectiveonlinehealing.com, there is a testimonials tab and you can take a look there and you can see uh, several of the testimonials that we have, but um, we, we have several more as well. And about at this time, about how many people attend these events? It varies. I mean, we tend to have an event once a day. Um, they are free. Uh, you know, we, we run on donations, but uh, but no one's turned away. So the events are free. And I would say, um, you know, they range anywhere from about, you know, 20 to 30 people generally. Um, we have about 3,300 people in our Facebook group at the moment and about 1,000 people on our direct email list. Um, and more and more people from around the world, um, you know, are, are joining as uh, sort of the word uh, gets out with the online format. Um, so we've been trying to offer uh, events at different times of the day, uh, usually once a day, um, you know, for people living, you know, anywhere around the world to join in. That's wonderful. Now, when when somebody is, attends, and I did attend one, and I found it, I'll, let me just say, I found it very uh, relaxing. Mm-hmm. I ask you some about the music in a minute, but very relaxing. And I felt, quote, better afterwards. I don't have a definition of what that is, except it felt mm-hmm. better. What um, is the hope of these healing sessions? What are you hoping to heal? I mean, it's not it's not a matter of what I'm you know, what I'm hoping to heal. I mean, my experience is that the uh, you know, the the mechanism at work does what it needs to do. So, you know, each person is coming to the event at a completely different place. And so they're being met exactly where they need to be met. And my experience has been that no two people have ever had the same experience. And also no one person has ever had the same experience twice. So, you know, the, the most effect that I find with this type of work is that, you know, long-term repetitive exposure to the process tends to, uh, you know, create the most change over time. But that feeling that you're talking about, about feeling relaxed, about feeling better, you know, I, what I believe happens is that when we enter into this space, um, you know, and we create a collective uh, healing space uh, together, that that gives the body its own chance to do the regeneration uh, that it needs to do. And, you know, what that is for each person is completely different. And each person is contributing to that, right? I mean, I'm contributing to someone else's healing and they're contributing to mine. Is that how you see it? Yeah, I mean, the way that I would, you know, the analogy that I often use is that of a bonfire. You know, I mean, if all of us have healing ability, and let's say that maybe we have this healing ability to different degrees, you know, if we're each, let's say, a burning log of light, perhaps different size logs giving off, you know, different uh, amounts of healing energy, the more logs you put on the fire, the more light is going to be emitted. So, 
um, you know, with each person, we actually uh, give everyone the option you can receive. Um, and if you want to receive, you really just, you know, lay back and relax into the process as much as you can. And if you'd like to give, then we really just recommend for people that, you know, they just said three very simple things. They send unconditional forgiveness, unconditional acceptance, and unconditional love, light, kindness, compassion, and gratitude to everyone on the call. And, you know, it's the focus on those higher vibrations of energy that we pool collectively that I believe creates the effect. Those are amazing uh, things to try to put out there in the world, the healing the whole world needs and forgiveness and, and loving all that loving. That's wonderful. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of consider, consider it a little bit of our, you know, secret formula, even though it's not really a secret. But I think if you if you focus on forgiveness and you focus on acceptance and you focus on love, light, kindness, compassion and gratitude, if you just focus on those things, everything else just kind of seems to melt the way in the process, you know, and a lot of people would say, well, you know, that's spiritual bypassing and, you know, it's not all love and light, et cetera, et cetera. And I can understand where they're coming from. But what I find is that if you're really, really honest with yourself and you apply this technique, you apply the forgiveness, you apply the acceptance, you apply the love, light, kindness, compassion and gratitude. If you're really honest with yourself as you do that, it will start to just naturally illuminate all the places inside of you where you're not generally coming from that place. And so it's not about just saying, oh, yeah, I'm, you know, I forgive everyone and I'm love and light and I'm this, that and the other thing. It's about applying these techniques, being very, very honest with yourself, and then it will reflect back to you. And then you'll be able to see the areas that, uh, you know, that still need work. I think that's so true with the forgiveness, particularly as I suspect all of us feel a need to be forgiven for something, even if we can't identify what it is. But we. Do yeah, well. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's interesting that you bring up being forgiven and, you know, there's sort of a general understanding that, you know, as you forgive, so you will be forgiven, you know, but I, I mean, I'll be honest in saying that, you know, I've been applying this forgiveness technique for several years now, and every day it's reflected back on to me the areas in my life where I'm, I haven't fully forgiven other people, you know, and so that's, that's my place to, uh, you know, continue my work. But uh, I, I mean, I, I think most uh, spiritual texts that deal with forgiveness, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's pretty commonly said that, you know, as you forgive others, you will be forgiven yourself. Absolutely. And it's, it, I was just thinking that it's giving and receiving at the same time. Because as we put something out there like that, it bounces, I think, it, I mean, this is my own opinion, it bounces back to us also. Sure. That's another, you know, very widely, uh, you know, spread, uh, I don't know what the word to use, very widely known sort of spiritual concept that as you give, so you will receive. Well, also, when you talk about people say well, spiritual bypass, if we can focus, we're in a very difficult time now, obviously with the COVID, with the, all the dis difficulties between parties and people and so forth. If we focus on that, it really feels pretty terrible. But if we focus on what you're talking about, love and light and kindness and forgiveness, that to me right there, focusing on that doesn't change the outside world, but gives me an inside world where I feel more peaceful. Is that your experience? 
Well, I mean, as you change your inside world, you know, the outside world will just sort of change kind of magically right before your eyes. I mean, you know, one of the interesting things about this time, as difficult as it is, I mean, the fact that so many external distractions have been taken away from us and the fact that so many of us are, you know, mostly confined to our homes or whatever it is, it's an incredible opportunity to do this inner work because a lot of the external distractions that, you know, we normally deal with in our day-to-day lives, you know, many of them have been, uh, you know, taken away. So um, in a strange kind of way, this is um, an incredible opportunity. And what I find, especially as the pandemic continues on and we don't know how much longer it's going to go, you know, the more that I apply forgiveness to the situation, especially the more that I apply acceptance to the situation, you know, and by acceptance, I mean, you know, acceptance and surrender. And uh, there's a great book by Michael Singer called The Surrender Experiment. I highly recommend it. Um, Also, Eckhart Tolle's books, uh, you know, The Power of Now and Stillness Speaks are are great books. They are, yes. Yeah, I mean, what I'm finding is that each day when I wake up and this pandemic continues on and there's a part of me that's like, oh, God, I just I wish this would be over. You know, the the process is to surrender into it again and just embrace. Okay, and instead of being in resistance of like, oh, I wish this was over and why can't it be other than it is? It's a complete acceptance and surrendering to the situation exactly as it is and an embracing of it. You know, and that's really a, a but you know, it, that's a bottomless well. I mean, there's always a deeper place that you can accept. There's always a deeper place that you can surrender. And, uh, you know, life certainly seems to be a lot easier when we're not fighting it from a place of resistance. Well, yes, when you go inside like that and surrender, I think you come out to that place where I've heard said how different you look or the world looks since I've changed. Yeah. And there's a lot of people. I mean, I think it's much easier if you look at the COVID situation much more from a spiritual perspective than you do from uh, a material perspective, for lack of a better word. I mean, I I think a lot of the people who are viewing this situation from a spiritual perspective sort of come to it with the understanding that, okay, um, you know, this is kind of the universe's way of telling us that we need to start doing things differently. We need to start living in different ways. We need to start, you know, uh, acting in, in ways that are a little bit more harmonious. And now if you're approaching it from sort of a materialist standpoint, it's 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 much more difficult to accept and surrender into it because it's more of like, well, why is this happening? Because it's shutting down, you know, all the material things and all the material processes that, um, you know, that I find myself attached to. So, um, you know, by by approaching it from a more spiritual perspective, at least my experience is that it's maybe a little bit easier to get through. Well, it's shutting down all of the distractions we had. A lot of busy, busy, busy time, work, 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 play, play, play. And now we're shut down to, like, what, what do I really, who am I? What do I really believe? And that's yeah. what... I, I think one. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I, I think one of the messages, my, at least my my belief, is that one of the messages from the pandemic is that we just need to slow down. You know, the world has just been running at an incredibly fast pace. 
um, probably faster than um, is is comfortable for most people. Um, and, you know, this pandemic has been an opportunity for everyone to slow down. And, you know, there's definitely been a part of that slowing down that, uh, you know, that has been very welcome. Yes, and certainly the uh, slowing down has allowed us to do the things such as look into ourselves, look at the forgiveness, offer, offer light and love, things that we didn't quote have time for uh, or take the time for when we were so busy with all the things we could do outside of our house. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in many ways, honestly, for me, this has just felt like a very long extended meditation retreat uh, that I probably never would have had the chance to do, um, you know, under, under other circumstances. Absolutely. Well, you're doing something once a day uh, that offers, I don't know if you want to call it a form of healing, of, well, it's a form of healing, a form of meditative healing. Uh, there are many online classes now offering also free uh, or donation uh, meditations. I, I, can, I can go to six or seven a day if I want. Uh, and there are other support groups that are online and something that just never was there day in and day out for people. So this is yeah. that to us, definitely. Yeah, it's really wonderful. Now, how when you go back on this and say, okay, I know I can go and, and experience it, and I hear the music. I, well, that's what I wanted to ask originally. Where does this music come, come from? Who created it, or has it been created by you or by others? What, what is the music? Well, and, and it kind of relates to what we were talking about earlier. Um, Quite some time ago, I began to understand that healing in general takes place at what I would uh, refer to as a slower brainwave state. I think if you want to know more about self-healing, it's very important to understand what brainwave states are and how they work. Um, and what I mean by a brainwave state is the number of times per second that the neurons and synapses in our head are firing. And that's measured in cycles per second or what's known as Hertz, the capital H lowercase z. So our general waking lives are spent in a beta brainwave state, which generally is seen as about 12 to 30 cycles per second that the neurons and synapses in our brain are wiring and firing. Below the beta brainwave state is an alpha state, which is eight to 12 cycles per second. Below alpha is uh, roughly four to eight cycles per second. And below theta is delta, which is 0.5 to four cycles per second. The music that we use um, is designed to help people to slow their brainwave states down. Um, it's a supportive tool, I guess, for lack of a better word. Um, that we're using to help people slow their brainwaves down. And in that slower brainwave state, there's a greater capacity for self-healing to take place. Well, it certainly had that effect on me. I mean, listening to that music slowed everything down, and that was wonderful. Yeah, I, I think it's more than just the music. I think it's a combination of several factors. The music is helping. I think the collective energy that we're all generating together is helping, and there may be some other mechanisms at play, but um, the, the idea is to slow the system down, to slow the brain down, to slow the heart down, to get everything to you know a very slow state. I mean, an interesting thing to note is that, for example, when, when somebody slips into a coma, they basically move 
into a delta brainwave state. And in a sense, you could say that, okay, the body understands that it needs to do some tremendous healing. And so it needs to slow itself down to such a degree that it's able to do the healing that it needs to do. Now, obviously, our circle isn't nearly as extreme, but it's the same type of concept. It's the slowing down of the body, the slowing down of the heart and the brain, you know, that allows uh, the regenerative uh, the innate regenerative ability that the body has to begin to repair itself. Yes, I understand that. Talk to me a little bit about the background of that information. That it has been out there. Scientists have been studying this for a long time. Who's the leading or who are the leading scientists that talk about how this works? You know, I was beginning to put things together on my own to some degree. And then somebody reintroduced me to the work of Joe Dispenza, um, who in my mind is in many ways at the forefront of this. Um, he recently, I mean, he's written several books, but he recently wrote a book called uh, Becoming Supernatural, which I highly recommend. And he's also got a, a, a ton of online videos and courses, many of them for free uh, that you can find on YouTube. But, you know, he's been doing some amazing work as of late, particularly as his advanced workshops, where he's literally hooking up, um, you know, people who are there. And these are like week long events that have anywhere from 1500 to 2000 people there. And they're hooking hundreds and hundreds of these people up to EEG machines, uh, which is an electroencephalogram machine, um, also hooking them up to heart wave machines with, uh, in cooperation with an institute known as the Heart Math Institute. Um, and they've been doing a tremendous amount of research uh, in, this, uh, in this field. So over the last year, year and a half, I've really been um, digesting as many things Joe Dispenza as I can, um, which has really helped to give me a much greater understanding of the, the things we're talking about. Fascinating. So Joe Dispenza, what was the last book you mentioned of his? Uh, Becoming Supernatural. Becoming Supernatural. That sounds like mm -hmm. something I'd like to read, so I think I'll look for that. Yeah, yeah. it's a great book. Um, one thing that I, I recommend in general when reading books is I, and this is what I do these days, is instead of reading a book, I get the audio book. Because right. when you get the audio book, you can essentially meditate to the book, which allows you to access the alpha theta ranges. And as you're absorbing the information from an alpha theta state, as opposed to in a beta brainwave state, which would be if you're reading the book, potentially you're able to absorb the information at a deeper level. So, um, you know, Becoming Supernatural has got a lot of information in it. I would personally recommend getting the audiobook and meditating to it, uh, you know, as it's being read. Let it wash over you, I think, is what you're saying. Exactly, yeah. Because I know that when sometimes when I'm reading something, particularly if it's new information, my brain's going, oh, well, is that really true? Let me see. What do I think about that? As opposed to what you're suggesting, let it flow over you. Right. Yeah, that that evaluation is a beta brainwave, you know, activity. And I'll share one other interesting thing about uh, brainwave states, which um, I also learned through Joe Dispenza. So when we are born from zero to two, we are operating in the world from a delta brainwave state. From two to six, 
we're operating from a theta brainwave state. From 6 to 12, we're operating from an alpha brainwave state. And then from about 12 or 13 on, we're operating from a beta brainwave state. So, um, you know, one of the reasons perhaps why children, you know, are able to absorb so much information and the learning curve, you know, for children is so much greater than that for adults is because they are absorbing the information from a much deeper place, which is a slower brainwave state. I, I don't know if that's a fact. It's just a, you know, a bit, bit of a theory, but logically it would seem to make sense if you kind of put the dots together. It's a fascinating idea that having watched two daughters grow up and remembering some of their early statements and what they were saying when they were two or earlier, that makes sense. So fascinating, we'll have to look into that more. Yeah, and there's two other quotes that kind of come to mind with all this. I mean, there's a very famous quote by Einstein where he says, the problems of the world will not be solved at the same level of thinking that created them. It's one of his more popular quotes, I would say, one of his more well-known quotes. And a lot of people would hear that quote and be like, wow, yeah, that makes a lot of sense, but I, I don't really know what he means. I would interpret that to mean that the problems that were created by the beta brain are not going to be solved by the beta brain. You know, we, we need to go to a different level of thinking, which in my mind is a different brainwave state to solve the problems we currently face. So what, what I'm sort of toying around with is the idea is, can we live more frequently from an alpha brainwave state or maybe even from a theta brainwave state? Can we live more frequently from that place and what happens when we do? I mean, what I find is that when you're in alpha, when you're in theta, you're generally feeling so good that you don't feel the need to be uh, gaining at the expense of others. You don't feel the need to be hurting anyone, putting anybody down. You're just feeling so good. The beta brainwave state is a little uncomfortable to live in, especially the high beta brainwave state. A high beta brainwave state is very uncomfortable, but beta brainwave in general is a bit of an agitated state. And is it that agitated state that's causing us to act in, let's say, the selfish ways that we're acting that are creating a lot of the problems of the world? Um, again, I don't know the answer conclusively, but logically, you know, as I put the uh, um, uh, you know, the pieces together, that's what makes sense to me. And the other quote that I would um, mention, and I'm, I'm not a huge quoter of the Bible, but there, there is that one passage in the Bible that says, you know, we have to become like little children if we want to enter the kingdom of heaven. So again, if we want to enter the kingdom of heaven, we have to be like little children. If little children are operating from a slower brainwave state, then perhaps we need to be operating from a slower brainwave state if we truly want to enter the kingdom of heaven. So just some food for thought. Uh, I, I can't say that I know any of this conclusively. I would say um, anyone who claims to know anything with 100% certainty, I would, I would run away from them as quickly as I possibly can. But, you know, these are just some ideas that I think about meditate on and uh, just offer them as food for thought. Well, thank you. That's wonderful food for thought. That's, that's nourishing thought. And we're coming almost to the end here, and I want to do two things. First of all, before we end, if people want to get in touch with you and join your groups and, and maybe learn more and be part of it, what's the best way for them to, how do they contact you? What's the best way? Yeah, so our website is collectiveonlinehealing.com, and you can go there, and there's all kinds of information about what we're doing. Uh, and you can also find us on Facebook uh, by searching for Collective Online Healing. Well, that's simple, Collective Online Healing. Excellent.
Mm-hmm. And finally, mm-hmm. as we end here, this has been very fascinating, and I thank you for being a guest. What is your hope for the future? How do you see what you're doing, growing, and the world changing, hopefully in the direction that you're heading? I, you know, I, I would like to see the world be a more forgiving, accepting, loving, uh, loving place. Um, you know, I mean, really all the things that we talked about, uh, you know, slowing down, patience, compassion. Uh, you know, I hope over time, you know, I'm I'm looking at this pandemic as what is, you know, what is the universe trying to teach us? You know, what are the lessons that were that, um, you know, that we need to learn here. And, uh, you know, with, with other things coming down the pike with climate change, I mean, we could potentially be in for some very challenging times. And, um, my hope is that, you know, we use this time, we use the, the challenge of this pandemic to really ask ourselves, you know, what do we need to be doing differently so that when this pandemic is over, we just don't go back to the way that it was before. You know, and, uh, you know, to me, that means slowing down, finding more forgiveness, finding more compassion, finding more acceptance um, and living from, you know, what might even be, you know, a bit of a slower pace. That's lovely. And what I'm hearing you say is really we'd be living in cooperation as opposed to be living in competition. Absolutely. I mean, I think we're at a point now where, you know, we've the the world has developed to an extent um, that, you know, we we are in a position to, uh, you know, to give everyone on this planet the basic comforts of life, you know, food, shelter, health care, you know, all the all the basic uh, necessities of life. And uh, it would really be wonderful if we can figure out a way to uh, to make that happen. And clearly, we we have a lot of challenges ahead and uh, a long way to go before we get there. But uh, you know, hopefully, as uh, as we continue to think about these things and uh, spend this time of uh, quiet reflection, uh, you know, for however much longer this pandemic is going to be, that you know, maybe a few of those answers will uh, will become a little more apparent. Yes, and you have a tool that helps us all get to that place, and I appreciate it very much. I appreciate what you're doing and what you've told us today. Thank you so much for being a guest on our show today. Thanks so much, Tom. Really uh, a pleasure. And thank you all who are listening to this edition of the Heart of Healing, the pandemic episodes.